All right, we are back. We are live. Uh, so today I am joined again uh, by my good friends uh, Colton and Vincent. How are you gentlemen doing? Very swell. Very, very Do well. I'm good. doing well. I'm doing well. Swell and well. Okay. All right. Uh, well, good. Glad, glad you gentlemen uh, could, could join. Um, we're not going to go into a bunch of intros because this is a part two, a part due um, of what, I don't know, this could go three, four, ten episodes. It depends on how 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 many comments we want to go into this. Um, so from, from the header, we are jumping back into the Stratton and, and White debate uh, that happened, I don't know, like 17 months ago, it feels like. Uh, it's probably like two months ago, something like that. Um, on the issue of is Molinism uh, biblical? Now, if anyone watched part one, they will know uh, that the three of us, even though we are in James White's theological, we're his theological kin, we are in that same broad camp. Um, we, uh, you know, we we're, we're trying not to, we, we're not going to pull any punches for for White. I think all of us were pretty. I uh, thought that performance was pretty lackluster uh, overall, uh, but this is going to be primarily focused on uh, responding to um, uh, Stratton's positive case for Molinism being biblical. Um, last time we reviewed uh, Stratton's opening statement. So if you want to know our thoughts on the opening statement, because that is going to come up a little bit here in the rebuttals and the cross-examination. Um, Head on back. I'll try to put the the. I have to go back in, and I'll put that link in the show notes. Um, but uh, we are gonna we're gonna keep moving through this. We're gonna keep plugging along, uh, and we are gonna jump in with the uh, the first round of rebuttals, and then the first round of cross examination. We'll see how far uh, we get in about an hour, hour and a half, two hours. I don't know. It might be a little long. Uh, <clears throat> we'll see how far we get. There probably is gonna be a part three because uh, I think we're gonna want to say a lot of things uh so gentlemen anything you want to add before before i jump in let's, let's hit it all right let me make sure that this is all right can you all see it yeah all right i'm gonna i'm gonna hit play if you can hear it just give me a, a thumbs up uh and now no, we can we can go usually stream Pretty, pretty solid about it. So uh, this is kicking off with uh, Stratton has done his opening, White has done his opening, and now they each have a, a I think, five-minute rebuttal or four-minute rebuttal, something like that. So um, that is, it's now with Stratton's first rebuttal. All right. Uh, and then if you all, if you all want to jump in, uh, Colton, you know, wave your hand or something, Bonson, you're not on video, so just start talking or something. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. All right. Jump in, pause anytime. I have a feeling I'm going to pause like every half sentence. So, all right, let's go. Well, thank you, James. In my opening statement, I began by providing careful definitions and then proceeded to offer four key contentions. Pretty low in volume. Reaching a Is it low in the volume? I'm not sure. It's low. I'm wondering if I have to turn up. Let me see if I turn up my internal volume, if that, if that works. All right. Back up again. 
Well, thank you, James. In my opening statement, I began by providing careful definitions and then proceeded to offer four key contentions supporting an argument reaching a logically deductive conclusion that Molinism is biblical. I'd like to review my four key contentions in view of what Dr. White just offered. But first, I'll make a note that Dr. White raised soteriological issues and salvation matters. This is a big mistake. Molinism is not a soteriological system. The question, maybe we can have a debate next year, is if Molinism should be applied to salvation matters. But that is not under debate tonight. Remember the definitions that I offered at the beginning of my speech. They said nothing about soteriological systems. Uh. <laughs> Already? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just going to call, I'm just going to say false. Uh, I mean, he, he. It, it, it's kind of like in a jury trial when if, if you know, the, the prosecution or the defense opens a door the other side gets to walk through it too. Uh, so he 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 flat out did bring up soteriological issues in in his opening. Um, I think White brings that up too uh, in his uh, rebuttal to his rebuttal. I think he yeah. does say that where um, hey, it's I think he says it in like a quick quip. Honestly, uh, just says hey, you brought it up so I can walk through it, and so. It's, I mean, yeah. in theory, he, I would agree with Strand. In theory, he's right. Like, Molinism is scarce on the salvific issue. I think when you start getting into transworld damnation and salvation, then you, you kind of are forced that way. But even Craig uh, and Platinga himself don't usually, they say that at the very end of their exposition of Molinism, and they usually save it if there are concerns, which, I mean, I guess that's fine. I think uh, Molinism can absolutely be applied to salvation, but maybe not necessarily. However, yeah. I, I I still don't see like a Molinist like Stratton. What is his salvi how his salvific uh, theological camp? Is it like like I, I don't understand? So you're a Molinist, but what what is the idea of salvation? Is it through provening grace, irresistible grace? Well, you're not going to see that. Uh, it has to be some sort of non-determining grace. And the only one that I think is best on the market is provenient grace. So you either have irresistible grace or provenient grace. But then provenient grace is just kind of like Arminian. And so I don't know. It's just a mess. But I guess technically he's right. Yeah. I, I like to say it's indirectly involved, given that it's, you know, your theory. Of... Sorry, hold on. Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, it's okay. I, I was just saying, since it's a theory of providence, you know, how you orchestrate the affairs of the world, you know, people are going to get saved and all that kind of stuff. So that's how it falls out. Um, Dr. White's point in response to him. Now, uh, you know, I recently listened to this. Now, what I remember him saying is, well, Molina had that motivation for positive. So therefore it is. I, I just think the argument's trash. Like, who cares what, like, the traditional motivations are? The question is whether the idea itself is... I don't know, soteriological. All right, I'll, I'll stop there. I'll yeah, I, I mean, the, the only thing that I that I would say on this is, I mean, I'm not even convinced that it's not soteriological. Like the, it it, it just seems to me that the 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 philosophical system of Molinism, because because Stratton does want to kind of trim it down to this mere Molinism, which we talked about last time, um, and how he actually even. Like, he starts with his original premises and then and then changes it like halfway through towards towards the end. Um, but the 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 teeth of Molinism, like the purpose of Molinism, it it's all it's only meaningful kind of within the context of sociological discussion. So 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 yes, you're 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 you you know you're right. It's 
technically not soteriological, but I think if it just wasn't, if it was just pure philosophy and it wasn't soteriological and it didn't have any impact whatsoever, like people wouldn't care. People wouldn't even know that it existed. Um, it's precisely because uh, it has these soteriological implications that people even adopt it or care that it exists. Right. So, um, yeah. That's so, true. Yeah. All right. We'll keep, we'll keep going. He, right now he's, he's saying that you can be a Calvin, you can be a five point Calvinist and a two point mere Molinist. We'll, I, we'll listen in. The two key contentions of Molinism that God has middle knowledge and humans sometimes have libertarian freedom is not, uh, does not contradict the five points of Calvinism. Try look at them yourself and see where you can, if you can find a contradiction, it's not, I mean, there's a really simple contradiction. If irresistible grace is true, then compatibilism is true. And so therefore you can't be a Molinist because you can't be a compatibilist and a libertarian incompatibilist. So, yeah, I mean, I'll leave it at that. That was, that was amazing. That was a good sentence. <laughs> I would say the exact same thing. So I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. Okay. So let's review uh, the four key contentions that I supported, because if those four key contentions stand, then Molinism is biblical. Let's start with contention number one, that the Bible supports libertarian freedom. Dr. White, uh, I believe he offered compatibilism, uh, another way of, of looking at uh, free will. Uh, number one, that's simply false, and two, it's irrelevant. I crafted my arguments uh, with compatibilism in mind. Compatibilism is a thesis that some kind of freedom and or moral responsibility is compatible with exhaustive determinism. Although... Just for the record, <laughs> do either of you affirm and self identify like is is exhaustive divine determinism your view i don't classify it as that if that's what you're asking okay nah. <laughs> i mean i believe in determinism but i could pull a pomonata and say i have one god has one indeterminate particle bouncing around in a box and therefore i'm not an ed galvanist but uh that's kind of tongue-in-cheek but um, even if I did believe that there's no rogue molecule, I'm still not going to say I'm an Ed Calvinist because it's redundant. The terminology, the ism already has the exhaustive built into it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and where I'm going to push back and we're going to see him do this is by Ed, he's going to make a sleight of hand change from exhaustive determinism. That is everything is determined to causal determinism which he is going to conflate with with hard determinism with the deterministic incompatibilism so in in his mind exhaustive determinism is deterministic incompatibilism so if that's how if that's the concept that he has in mind then i'm just gonna say well then i'm just not that it's like like how you yeah. how you how you define it and how you use it are two different things and so i'm not going to accept any I, i'm not accept either of those because if i if i say yes i agree with exhaustive divine determinism that is i'm a I'm a Christian determinist, right? You know, determinism is determinism. You know, everything's determined. Uh, he's going to completely ignore the how of it and the mechanism of it and the different types of, uh, uh, you know, causal conditions. And, and if there are causal, like all the different stuff that goes into it, he's going to ignore all that and just yeah. compress it all down into, you'll hear him change it uh, midway through this to causal determinism. And that's that's the sleight of hand that takes place. Well, I've argued elsewhere that some kinds of freedoms might be compatible with determinism. I've also argued that no possible world exists in which God causally determines me to do X, yet I should have done otherwise. That doesn't even make any sense. So, more... Is there is there no possible world where God determines someone to do X, and yet they should have done otherwise? That that's just incoherent? 
No, it's, I, I don't think you understand what the possible world means. So, <laughs> uh, it's not logically contradictory. Now, it is, I think, and I agree, and he presses his point over and over and over again, that is logically, I think, contradictory, or at least, at the very least, incoherent. When you say, can God determine a libertarian, categorically free creature? Well, yeah, uh, because that they're, they're antithetical to each other. You can't categorically do otherwise and still be determined and yet call yourself free. That is by definition incompatible. But that's not what the Calvinists think God, what they argue for. Right. Uh, it's, and so, again, he's defining himself into victory and putting himself into these I don't know, boxes of definitions that if you get the definitions wrong, you're going to get everything else wrong. And so we already see him saying this too. Um, and last, I'd like to add, he says uh, that compatible, like he argues elsewhere in his blog post that uh, he is a compatibilist in some sense. So, you know, I'm, I can have some freedoms that are compatible with determinism and other freedoms that aren't compatible with determinism. Well, newsflash to Stratton and newsflash to all the other compatibilists who wants to say that. We don't care about whether or not you think some freedoms are compatible with determinism. Right. Why? Because those freedoms in your mind are not dessert responsibility freedoms. Right. That's the point. The compatibilist only cares about dessert responsibility and the necessary, the free, uh, freedom relevant condition necessary for responsibility in order to be that. So those are the freedoms that we care about and those are the freedoms that we say are compatible with determinism now if you say oh those freedoms are incompatible there is no world in which i can have the necessary freedom relevant condition for moral responsibility and yet be determined then i would say okay yeah you're a libertarian and you're an exhaustive incompatibilist then necessarily by definition and to say that there's other freedoms that come with compatibilist, other freedoms that are compatible with determinism is just a useless redundancy. It makes no sense. I, I mean, I, I should say it makes sense. It doesn't make sense by using it in, uh, in a debate such as this and also in the free will debate. Uh, it, it's just, it's, I, I, the best word I can come up with is just, it's useless. It doesn't, it's just useless. Bonson, anything? Nope. nope. All right. Nope. 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 I'm good. All right. Full responsibility and a deserve that's meaning you deserve praise or blame is not compatible with determinism. You've got to have libertarian freedom for that. But anyway, this misses the point. I've not argued for moral responsibility in my opening speech. The argument I've advanced is about rational responsibility. So with that said, let's move to, uh, talk about a categorical versus conditional ability. That is By the way, this is my favorite part of the entire thing. Like <laughs> of, of, of I love Stratton. Like I like Stratton, I, I've actually you know met, I've had lunch with. He's he's a, he's a nice guy. I love him. I've never actually met James White, but I you know I respect him, <clears throat> even though I disagree on, on some things with him. But that like like this whole debate was just a giant dumpster fire. This is like my favorite part of the entire dumpster fire. Uh, <laughs> also, is it the robot? Let me guess. No, you. I'll I'll say why in a second. Okay. Doesn't work either. Uh, let's talk about abilities. I have the ability to play the bass guitar. I've been playing it for about 30 years now. On the airplane, on, on my flight here, if God all of a sudden commanded me to play the to play a funky bass line, um, I I have the ability to do it, but I don't have a bass guitar. And so unless God provides a bass guitar on the airplane, I could not keep this command. So it would not make any sense for him to hold me responsible to play a funky bass line unless he gives me a bass. 
All right, so I have an ability, but no opportunity to play it. So if you go back to my definitions, you'll see I continually talk about the opportunity. Okay. So apparently, apparently, the distinction between the categorical and the conditioner ability is nonsense. And then he gives a conditional example as why he's not responsible for it. And like, like every compatible, like when I was listening to this, it, it's like when he gets to the Marvel examples, we we're talking about where it's like, dude, you're, you're trying to say that the conditional analysis is not sufficient. And, and then we have to have this, this categorical leeway thing. But then when you give examples to show why determinism, why determinism, you know, undermines freedom, you give a conditional example, right? So, so if, if, right, like if God commanded him to play a bass, like funk, what do you say? A funky, a funky riff or something funky like that? Baseline, yeah. him, why is he not responsible to do that on the airplane? Because there's no, because he doesn't have, he couldn't do it even if he wanted to the jive turkey couldn't pull it off my gosh like it's like he he doesn't like he get, he just gave a conditional i i, I just this is my favorite part because it's it, it's it's such a clear example that, that and this is something that he's been corrected on by so many people so mm -hmm. many people repeatedly in writing, in podcasts, in YouTube videos, in debate, like at just everything. And it, it just, it just goes to show that he just doesn't, he just, do, he still doesn't know what these concepts even are. Yeah. I think what he's trying to get at is the dispositional difference. So the mm -hmm. general and specific ability, um, uh, popularized by V. Vellen and then Christopher Franklin, I think this is why he added it in his arguments here, the opportunity to do otherwise, because Christopher Franklin, um, actually have his book right here, just ironically, but the minimal libertarianism. So this book, uh, Christopher Franklin actually goes into Vivellen's dispositional analysis, and he tries to make an argument that has something to do with what Stratton is saying. Uh, you know, we can't hold him responsible because he doesn't have the opportunity to do otherwise. And the compatibilists are like, yeah, amen. But give us a reason why determinism necessarily precludes that opportunity. The only way I can understand from Franklin and Stratton here is that of why their argument would make sense is if they already assume that determinism precludes That's right. the opportunity to do otherwise. Uh, and that is just question begging, uh, of course. Uh, the only way I can understand that their argument makes sense, their distinctions make sense in the dispositional abilities is if you already presuppose that the categorical ability is necessary and you already presuppose that that ability, whatever it is, is going to be incompatible with determinism. And so when you put in the word opportunity, they're like, ah, that's incompatible with determinism because determinists don't have opportunity. Who says? Right. Obviously, the incompatibilist says it because they're incompatibilists, uh, but the compatibilist is gonna say, no, determinism doesn't preclude our opportunity to do otherwise. I do have an opportunity. It's just the case that if deter if I was determined differently, I would have done differently. Uh, and so it's really, I, I like that, what you said. It's really bizarre. Bignon has an excellent section on his book about it. And I think I would leave it like that. He has been corrected over and over and over, so. Yep. All right.
opportunity to exercise and ability. And so this uh, appeal to conditional abilities will not work. Um, Dr. White talked about- uh, <laughs> Except his example needs it there to make it work. Anyways. Like how God uses the authorities to bring judgment and then judges them. What are they being judged for? Things that God possibly determined them to think and believe? There it is, see? No, notice the slip. Yeah, causally determined them to believe. He, yeah, he moved it to now Now God has causally determined them to believe because he's going to make the argument as it goes through, and we'll see this. He's going to make the argument as it goes through that that God is that God is causing. He's he's moving the will of these individual people uh, to 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 act how they how they act. Right. Um, he's going he's going to treat determinism, qua determinism, as if we are all saying God is the efficient cause of every single thing that He determines. Yeah. Which is just false. Well, I'm sure that there are some people who hold that view, but that is not that is not. Not. Uh, necessary to the view and it's not it's not the majority of us that hold the view by any yeah way. not i think a lot of calvinists do believe in causal determinism but divine causal determinism not some like nomological physical determinism or naturalistic determinism that circumvents or necessarily circumvents your own will right. uh, which i think what would it mean for physical determinism to go through the will of an agent i'm not necessarily sure so that's why i think theistic determinism has the resources here because they have a, a divine agent that could, because he's omnipotent, go through the will of the of the agent while not doing any damage. This has been the compatibilist mantra since day one. So yeah. again, he's doing a failed internal critique. Yep. And, and, and the ones, you know, I, I've, uh, I've, I've had um, uh, consistent Calvinist uh, Colin on the show before. I mean, and, and he and I agree because he's going to take a far, a far stronger causal view of his determinism. But even he's going to say, well, I'm not saying that God is the efficient cause for every single thing. He, but he is going to say that God is the ultimate cause for every, for everything. Um, yeah. So, you know, so even, even those who are going to say, yeah, yeah, I affirm causal determinism. God upholds all things by the, by the word of his power. I mean, that's, that, that's fine. Even they're going to say, well, we still don't mean the strong claim that's right. Qualifications. I yeah. think Anderson holds the causal determinism of some sense, uh, James yeah. Anderson, but he qualifies it to be divine causal determinism. And he still says that God is the sufficient cause of all contingent events, so the ultimate cause, yeah. while not being the efficient cause of all events, the efficient cause of righteous events, and the deficient cause of sinful events or unrighteous events. And this is like hundreds of years old, though. It goes all the way back to like Turretin. So yeah. this isn't new in the Calvinistic systematic, uh, which is bizarre. Bonson. No, I completely agree. There's a great article by James Anderson that covers all this. Uh, recommend that. Okay, moving on. In the first place, that doesn't make any sense. He talked about God uh, not causing evil, but restraining evil. Well, think about this. If, if a mad scientist built, created, and programmed a giant robot to destroy all of Houston, Houston, we have a problem, right? And, and, and then it set the robot free in a compatibilistic sense to do exactly as it was programmed to do. He <laughs> set the robot free. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I don't know. I, well, don't well, I, I, think, I think my first thought, and, and then I'll, I'll unleash you guys on the, on the robot uh, of Houston. I, my, I almost wanted to pause it before, but I wanted him to get through a full sentence. Uh, is <clears throat> it's not a rebuttal to say, well, that doesn't make sense. 
that's not a valid rebuttal in a debate, right? Mm -hmm. All that all that does is say is just is just it's just to emote personal incredulity, right? Yeah. White had made an argument. He made an exegetical argument from these biblical passages for Stratton to get up and say, well, that just doesn't make sense. Okay. That's not, that's just not a, that's not a rebuttal. That's not a defeater. That's just, that's just kind of, that's just a mode of hand-waving. So, and then he said, well, that doesn't make sense. Imagine, imagine there's a robot. All right. What's wrong with the robot? Mm -hmm. I think... Well, first, um, the obvious is uh, he, he is slipping into the causal determinism realm first. And so we already covered that. But it's it's not analogous. And I think we covered this with Braxton Hunter, right? Yeah. Um, but it's the same point here. Uh, you There's two ways to, to bring the analogy. Uh, you can do a weak analogy or strong analogy. If you do a weak analogy, you're saying that there's one relevant similarity. Well, what is that relevant similarity? That they're determined? That God is the determiner and that we are determined, so we're robots. Um, that is just to beg the question against compatibilism. Uh, because you're saying, what's the thing that rules out the responsibility? Determinism. But that is the thing that's in question. So, Or you could press a strong analogy and just say, hey, there's no relevant difference at all. Not that there's one relevant similarity, determinism, but there's no relevant difference. Well, if you say that, then I guess the compatibilist could say, like, try to find out what the relevant difference is um but so happens we can and of course uh, others like beyond has already done for us self-consciousness so i guess you could retort back and say like a normal strat and quip and say oh yeah your self-consciousness itself is determined makes no difference makes no difference uh, as as tyler would say determinism is determinism <laughs> Obviously, sure, but that's besides the point. We're asking what is the relevant difference here? The relevant difference is self-consciousness. And with self-consciousness, it's uncontroversially true that you need some sort of self-consciousness in order to be held responsible. Humans have that, so they could be responsible. And robots, they don't apparently have that, unless we want to get hardcore and deep into the philosophy of the mind. They won't have that, and so therefore they're not responsible. That is the relevant difference. Nothing is about right now in the debate when pointing out the relevant difference, whether or not uh, the robot or the human in this, the real case, is indeed responsible. That's a different question. All we're asking is, what is the relevant difference? The compatibilist can give the relevant difference, which means it refutes uh, the strong analogy that Stratton is kind of throwing out here. It's just honestly, it's just lazy tactics. It's, it's just lazy. And for someone who has argued with Bignon over and over and over again, so apparently that's what Stratton says. I've interacted with him. Uh, he does a really crappy job. And I, I, I'm going to be a little forceful here. He does a really poor job at showing it because that's exactly what Bignon would say. And we need to deal with the arguments. Otherwise, you're doing failed, again, failed internal critiques over and over and over. Yeah, even White points out the consciousness thing in the debate itself. So uh, kudos to him for, you know, at least knowing, you know, I bet he's heard a talk by Bignong or something. But uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's pretty bad. Yeah. And, and, and there's more than that. I mean, we, we you could point to you could point to self self-consciousness, but you could point to a half dozen other relevant differences. Oh, for sure. Like guidance you know I mean? control. 
one. You have guidance control, you have reasons responsiveness, you have, you know, you have agency um, that, that's a little bit more co complex than, than, uh, than self-awareness. God, God given, uh, God given uh, um, responsibilities, right? There, there's, there's all, there's all kinds of relevant differences between human persons and robots. Yeah, you could even try to make arguments against the possibility, you know, Chinese room arguments, if you want to even go that in depth, but I, I, I'm lazy. <laughs> Let's All see right. if uh, he gets a full sentence out. So. Let's try. And then after the robot is, destroys half of Houston, the mad scientist steps in with his remote control and begins to restrain the evil of the robot. And then he stands up in front of all the cameras and says, look at me. I have restrained evil. I should be praised. No, should he be praised or should he go to prison? We all know who is responsible for the destruction of over half of Houston. All right. <clears throat> I think the we all we all know we all know who is responsible for the destruction of all twelve tribes of Israel. This this this, this was White's point, right? Right. White points to an example in the Bible where God literally says, "I am bringing in Assyria. I'm causing Assyria to come in and wipe you out." And I'm going to get glory for it. And I'm going to turn around. And I'm going to judge them for it. Mm -hmm. Right. The 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 my my issue here actually with Stratton is because he it's so frustrating later where he says I'm reformed I'm reformed I'm going to be like there's literally nothing reformed about your theology, um, but here it's such a low understanding, almost no there there's like the there's no cre creator creature distinction in in this analogy. Yeah. Right. All all it does is say okay, if if it would be evil if we did it, it would therefore be evil if God did it. And we've talked about this. I've done debates on this. I've done, I've done so many examples where if we did the same things that God did in the Bible, we would be horrendously evil people. Yeah, I think uh, you brought up actually in our chat earlier today about Job. So if you did what God did to, if you did to your children what God did to Job, I, you'd be locked up and put in an insane asylum. I would I'm, be, I'd be atrocious. I would be horrendous <laughs> as a person. But yet we all know, and I, I love how incompatibilists, uh, I don't think any of the responses work, to be honest, but I love how I love seeing them try to get around that God is not the sufficient cause, or at least the ultimate cause of Job's destruction. Like To me, it is very clear God is the sufficient cause. He was the one who instigated the actual cosmic bet. He was the one. Satan did not. Uh, and so when we actually read the text, it's very clear. That God's like, try on Job, go for it. I dare you. <laughs> right. uh, almost in like layman's terminology, he didn't need to do that. He did it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, at the, at the very end, I'm uh, I'm trying to pull it up right now. Um, in in at the very end of the uh, of the story, so in in, in Job 42, um, Uh, the narrator says this, right? This isn't one of the, the, this can't be like, oh, well, it's one of the friends and they're not reliable, right? The mm -hmm. narrator says this. Um, after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before he came and ate with him in his house, they comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought on him. Right? So the, the scriptures, the inspired scriptures have no problem saying it's it's God who did all this. Yeah. God, God is the reason this happened. Um, there's just no issue with it. 
because God is God and we are not. I also want to say that I don't think if we pull, um, I think he actually brings it up, which is going to be great. I would love to talk about it, but I'm going to introduce it uh, just now. Um, not all the way, but I'll introduce it. Bullet Bill, the Bullet Bill analogy from Greg Welty shows this perfectly that if what he's saying is true for Calvinism, great. It's true for Molinism as well. True for Molinism as well. You know why I think that? We're not the only ones, Calvinists, who have that intuition. Guess what? So are open theists. Right. <laughs> open theists agree with the Calvinists that if the Calvinist God is to blame, then the Molinist God is equally to blame. No different. Now, they may say that the Molinist is a little bit better, but there's really no different. Why? Because if God foreknows the future, then humans cannot truly be free. Otherwise, he's just being a, a manipulative, vindictive, vindictive monster, allowing things to happen. And if you allow a significant uh, evil or uh, horrendous, horrific evil to happen without doing anything, you are just as implicated. That's what the open theist wants to say. Yeah. That is true for Molinism as it is for Calvinism. The only difference is the mechanism, libertarian freedom or a compatibilist mechanism. So I, I don't see how Stratton appealing to this man without uh, without detailing the creature creator distinction, like he said, I don't see how he can get out of this idea of you're going to be implement uh, implicated. Your God is going to be implicated all the same. Yep. All right. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, so look, my first again, it doesn't make any sense. It's not an objection. Like four times he said that. Or three, three he, times. He, he, he says it throughout this entire thing. Contention remains unrepeated. Dr. White didn't interact with First Corinthians 10 13. He did not interact with my three step syllogism. He did not interact with my arguments based upon 10, uh, First Corinthians 10 15. And he did not touch Ezekiel 33 11. White will point this out, but he, he shouldn't have yet. Mm -hmm. Right? The only thing we have so far is two opening statements. Right? Yeah. He wouldn't have interacted with those things yet. So that's his fault for not predicting the future. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he could have, I mean, if he, if he had done, I, I'm not sure how much research uh, white had done ahead of this debate. Um, from what it sounds like when, when he first kind of announced it, uh, when he was uh, talking with William Lane Craig to when the debate happened, it was only about a month. Um, that's not a ton of time for, for debate prep. Um, yeah. And I know this is like a newer topic for white. He's not that well read on. So I don't think he did, uh, that much as much prep for these as he does for like his, his, you know, his debates on Mariology and, and, uh, all the text critical things that he's, you know, spent decades studying. Um, so he, he didn't quite seem familiar with the, with the literature on this. Uh, he didn't well, seem familiar. So well, if he had done all that work though, he, he probably could have known some of the arguments that Stratton was going to make and, and kind of preemptively address them. But again, he didn't have to, right. um, he, 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 you know, he's, he's the negative case. He doesn't have to do that. So. Right. Just what else, what I'll add is just Tyler. He, he, yeah, I agree. He's definitely in the, you know, funky bass guitar problem, you know, Definitely not responsible, but if he had known, but the, <laughs> the, he did debate Dr. Craig before this. So technically he, he has had some, some kind of study for some time. Uh, I wasn't a fan of that debate either, but it happened. I wouldn't yeah. even call that a debate. It's more yeah. like a, it was whatever happens on Justin Briley. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, it was reminiscent of Paul Helm and Craig's discussion but it wasn't even a debate. It was just like a friendly kind of back and forth. 
So yeah, it was like a it was like a like a moderated discussion. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Uh, he did not mention anything about what I argued that if Ed is true, then Dr. White can't rationally infer or affirm claims of knowledge. He didn't touch the fact that if Ed is true, that he is a mere passive cog at the mercy of the whims of a god of mischief or a deity of deception. He said nothing about if Ed is true. Um, that, God, that this does make God a deity of deception or a God of mischief. He says nothing about my argument that if Ed is true, that you have reason to doubt the Bible. He says nothing that if Ed is true, that you don't have assurance of salvation. Now, he did say, but exhaustive divine determinism isn't the topic of tonight's discussion. That's false, because based on the law of the excluded middle, if libertarian freedom ever exists by anybody, then Ed is false. But if Ed is true, then nobody ever has libertarian freedom. So to defeat my first contention, Dr. White has to actually argue for Ed. He has to exegete it from Scripture to show that God predestines all things via exhaustive divine determinism. Well, that's just false too, right? I mean, that's just a false dichotomy, right? I mean, you could you could be a hard deterministic incompatibilist and deny libertarian freedom. You you could you could be you, you could be a, a you know, materialist compatibilist and deny like he doesn't have to prove ed to prove libertarian freedom false. That's just a false dichotomy. Yeah. Well, you know, the Arminians they cease to exist and no from it's all God now. It's just Calvinism, Molinism. Also, I'd just like to point out that the debate is about is Molinism biblical? And yeah, he uses some, some I guess, verses uh, to, to show this. But as we said in our last video, not a lot of exegeting going on from Stratton at all. Now, he's going to try to say that it's, of course, uh, in order to show something's biblical, you have to show the philosophical underpinnings. And in some sense, I agree, but not like the whole rebuttal. Uh, I, I don't understand why he, man, it's just a, I, I just don't like the question. It's just a, an unfortunate question when, uh, it's not necessarily Stratton's forte, the biblical language and yeah. Jesus. Definitely should have picked a different debate. Which I mean, that's not bad. It's just pick a different question. Uh, exegesis, not everyone's, you know, forte. It is James White's forte. But it's not yeah. Stratton's, so they're kind of talking past each other. And we're yeah. going to see that as we go on, but yeah. My first contention stands strong. Let's move to contention number two: that the Bible uh, affirms that things are predestined. We both agree, all right. So that one stands. Contention. We talked about this one in the opening, but that's going to that's going to wreak havoc during the the cross examination. So <laughs> I can't wait. It's logically impossible to predestine a libertarian free choice. That's true by definition. He said nothing against that. But everything was predestined. What happened? Yeah. I, so I think there, I, I was really confused by that too. I think it, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. There's a slip of a tongue and that he, that, that he means determinism that you can be determined and, and have libertarian freedom. But he said that you can't have predestined. You, you can't, it can't be predestined and have libertarian freedom, but he just said everything was predestined. Freudian slip, I guess, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he means you can't have something that's determined. In the yeah. Place. I think, uh, the charitable reading based on his blogs, he's going to say that determinism is incompatible with libertarian or is incompatible with freedom. Uh, and so therefore he's a libertarian, but predestination is not incompatible with um, determinism. And then if that's the case, I'm just going to ask kindly, what's the relevant difference? And if you say that the relevant difference is um, that determinism, uh, God causes you to do what you do, circumvents your agency and predestination, it's not, well, then I'd be like, I guess I'm not a determinist then, uh, <laughs> because that's not what the compatibilist believes. We're just, yeah. Again, we're just talking past each other because of false definitions. Yep. 
And so look, three of my four contentions remain strong. Dr. White has one chance left to show that Molinism is not biblical. Let's look at contention number four. The middle knowledge is the only way to predestine a libertarian free choice. Now, White's primary objection to middle knowledge has been, but where does it come from? Well, Dr. White is asking the wrong question. The proper question to ask is, what does an omniscient God know? The answer is everything. God knows the truth value to all propositions. As I've said elsewhere, if perfect power and perfect knowledge are necessary attributes of God, then middle knowledge comes along for the ride. No, it does no. not come along <laughs> for the ride, Strad. Uh, that is something you actually have to prove. I was cringing when I first watched this. Uh, uh, so no Molinist, none, as far as I know. Uh, Lang, Craig himself, I mean, although... He kind of backs it up with inextricableness uh, towards the end of his expositions. But Lang definitely and Flint definitely do not. Molina, I don't think even Molina says comprehension. So he's still going to say something like, "Of um, he's going to still give a reason why God has middle knowledge." You cannot Stratton just say God has middle knowledge because he's omniscient. That is picture perfect question pegging. Uh, you, you just cannot just uh, define your way into poetry like this. Uh, it, it looks bad for the Molinists, and I'm not even a Molinist. <laughs> I feel really awful for them uh, if you are leading the new wave of Molinism. And I mean that with utmost love and respect. The miracle of analyticity. Yeah, it's... Ah, that Yeah, that was... Uh... Yeah, no. I, I mean, we, we all affirm God's omniscient. Um, that doesn't mean that God has middle knowledge because middle knowledge uh, is of uh, counterfactors of, of libertarianly free creatures. Yeah. So that doesn't yeah. Like, just, just think about the open theist you dealt with, Tyler. How many of them say they hold the omniscience? I know. It's just dynamic. It's, you know, it's like, it's like, the, it's like the modalist says, you know, I'm a Trinitarian. I'm just a dynamic yeah. Trinitarian. Strand's still going to be like, Oh, they're they're uh, as he says to James White, you're you're a Molinist too, then. <laughs> no, they're not. Uh, just because they hold to omniscience doesn't mean everyone's classified as a Molinist. He's trying so hard to make common ground in such the wrong ways that it's it's really um, kind of uh, painful to watch. Yeah, uh, and that's that's the issue. Like every theist, let's just take the four main camps of open theism to Calvinism. All those four main camps of before knowledge, Molinism, blah, blah, they all say that God is omniscient. It's just the mechanism of his omniscience is different. Okay. And I, I don't think I need to tell a PhD systematic theologian what the mechanism is, or I shouldn't have to at least. Right. But they're all going to say something different. And so if he doesn't know that, then I, I don't know. To me, that, I don't, that he lost the debate uh, just because of this in my eyes. Yeah. So yeah. And, and effectively, what he's saying is, well, he's saying, well, that, that's the wrong question. I mean, White's asking a grounding objection. I mean, he's, he's giving a grounding objection. What, what Stratton has just said is, well, the grounding, we can just dismiss all the grounding objections like out of hat because it's just the wrong. I just don't like the question. I'm just, I'm just going to dismiss them all because really we should just be asking, does God know all things? <laughs> we all agree God knows all things, right? So, yeah, it's just. Oh, it's, it spent like two, three yeah. chapters on his book on it. Two, three chapters, almost like 60, if I remember, 60 to 80 pages on just the grounding objection alone and different kinds of the grounding objection. So it's not just, if it was just like, oh, God's omniscient, so it's not a big deal. He could have said that in a sentence. He didn't because there's something to the grounding objection. Clearly something Stratton doesn't understand, which makes yeah. it all the more unfortunate. This is because God's decree 
is contingent and not necessary, but God's attributes of omnipotence and omniscience are necessary. Asking where does middle knowledge come from is like asking where does God come from? It's a confused question. To put it simply, God's middle knowledge comes from his perfect nature. That's where it comes from, from God's perfect nature. The fact that God is a maximally great being and exists necessarily. To ex None of that follows. Just, anyways. Just necessarily means you cannot fail to exist. To have your attributes necessarily means you cannot ever fail to have those attributes. That includes prior to the decree and prior to creation. That means God has middle knowledge. So it, it doesn't follow because just because God is by necessity God uh, and and he, his attributes are not continued, right? So so it's almost like Stratton is 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 thinking of thinking of White's question as like the as like an ontological question. Yeah. Like what what grounds the attribute of omnipotent or omniscience, mm -hmm. right? Whereas White's asking a kind of epistemic question, what grounds the truth of the knowledge that God has in these things? Yeah. Right. How's just, God just, know? Right. It, how, what is there to know? Right. If, if, if in order for me to make a decision, God has to already have decreed Tylerness. Mm -hmm. How, how can God know what Tyler would do if God does not know what would happen if he decreed Tyler, right? Like, like it's to, it just gets in like this, this loop of like infinite regress and, and, where, and where God's knowledge got, you, you do run this kind of, you do run a little bit of an ontological question where, where if, if God only has middle knowledge in virtue of these other truth makers, these, these, these other, these other, uh, you know, got, not getting a whole debate about truth maker theory, but these these other, these other things that ground his knowledge, these other these other you know you know subject subject subjective conditionals, right? Mm -hmm. The 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 substance of middle knowledge is then grounded on something that is outside of God and outside of himself, right? Mm -hmm. Which means that God has this attribute in virtue of these other things which means that god is no longer a say that there there is an attribute of god there is part of god's knowledge that is conditioned on something else it's not just that his decree is conditional on molinism middle knowledge itself is conditional right maybe yeah. it's eternally conditional but it still is conditional that's fine all right so my Four contention stands. All four contention stands. And so that leads to my conclusion. In summary, using biblical data and the God-given tools of logic and reason, I've supported four key points demonstrating that Molinism is the correct biblical view of God's sovereignty. Dr. White still needs to demonstrate that at least one of my four contentions is false. Dr. White needs to demonstrate that the definition of Ed can be rationally affirmed and exegeted from the text of Scripture if he wants to show that libertarian freedom is never allowed in Scripture. And Dr. White must exegete that the way God predestines all things is via exhaustive divine determinism. Until he does all of this, Molinism is biblical. All right. He doesn't need to do any of that to show that. For, <laughs> the, 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 he doesn't need to do any of that. And if he doesn't, it doesn't mean Molinism is biblical. Right. Mm -hmm. It just, it, even if he didn't do any of that, which it's not clear that he needs to do all that. Right. You can't, you, you can't foist a burden on the negative position that it doesn't carry. It'd be uh, useful. It would be useful to do that. It would be helpful. Yeah. It, it, tactically, he probably should have done a few of those things, although, I, you know, the whole Ed thing, whatever, you know, put a pin in that. It doesn't entail, if he doesn't do those things, that therefore Molinism is biblical. Right? Right. It, do, it doesn't yeah. mean he's, it doesn't mean Stratton has sustained his burden 
um, for it. So, you know, again, some of this just goes down to understanding kind of the dialectic that's happening in a debate. That's his fault. He didn't refute me. And and, and one of this 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 may be a little a little pedantic. I don't know if Stratton will ever watch this, but people really need to be aware of their of their ethos and their pathos when they're in a debate. Um, like, like the 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 audience shouldn't the audience. It's typically not a good maneuver when the audience feels like you're like angry at the at the podium. Um, yeah. so and Arsu, are you aware that he had four major contentions? I just want you to know that he had four. He had he had four, and White hadn't responded to them in his opening. <laughs> yeah. It's just it, it, it's what White says this, but really that I think that was what a five minute five minute rebuttal. It really was a waste of five minutes, right? Because um, he could have gone after White's opening to overcome. Yeah. I mean, he could he could have spent thirty seconds saying, "Look, I said all these things." They you know so, so the the. It's not wrong in a debate to show, like, look, my contentions haven't been refuted. Go, go nuts, right? He could have done that in thirty seconds. These are my four contentions so far. Just as other world, white, white's opening didn't touch any of those four. Now I'm going to go on the in the offensive, and I'm going to show why White's negative case fails, right? That would have been an effective use of his rebuttal time because that's what a rebuttal mm -hmm. is. Um, so, uh, re really, he used it almost like a closing statement rather than a rebuttal. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to go to, uh, ooh, we're up 50 minutes. We're going to White's rebuttal. Yeah. Got to watch out, the Lutherans. You can't trust their audio. Okay. Well, it's fresh in your mind. Very fresh in your mind. What does an omniscient God know? Well, he must know middle knowledge. That is not an argument. Middle knowledge is the assertion. That there is knowledge of what undecreed, uncreated, undefined human beings would do in any given situation. And no one can tell you where it comes from. And he just had the opportunity of doing so. And he can't either because they don't know. And yet they say that's what delimits what possible worlds God can actualize. There are worlds God cannot make. There are people God cannot save. There are things God cannot do because of the content of this middle knowledge. But we will not tell you where it comes from. We will tell you that simply because God's omniscient, he must have it. That. So to be fair... Just because Stratton failed at this doesn't mean that other Molinists haven't tried to give an account. So uh, White White's being a little a little a little too cheeky on this. Um, it, it's just it's just not the case um, that Molinists have not tried to answer the grounding objection. Yeah. That is the end of the debate. If you don't get anything more than that, because that's the central aspect of Molinism. All the time spent going, he didn't touch on this, he didn't touch on that. Um, this is the rebuttal period. I'm not supposed to do that in my opening. And so that was an entire waste of time, the entire thing. See if you can find a contradiction. Now, by the way, I have eight minutes to respond to a 20-minute opening presentation. You have to pick and choose what is directly central. This is a debate where the weight of evidence must be upon Dr. Stratton to demonstrate that Molinism is biblical. And so far, the argument has been, well, if I can throw enough bombs at Calvinism, then that makes Molinism biblical. Think about what that means. The impossibility of the contrary does work in the transcendent, transcendental argument. It doesn't work in this context. He made the statement, see if you can find a contradiction. He had said, they started off saying, Molinism is not a soteriological matter. You better believe it is. If middle knowledge determines who the elect are and are not, you better believe that's soteriological. And I'm going to tell you one thing. Louis de Molina thought it was a soteriological issue. He All right. Uh, I, I think we've addressed this um, by, by pointing out that, e that you know, even though the teeth of Molinism may be soteriological, mm -hmm. 
Stratton isn't entire, you know, Stratton isn't out to left field saying, look at, you know, the, the kind of these philosophical questions are, are not, are not soteriological. Uh, and all, all the time, this, this was the frustration. This, this, this just, it kept, it kept coming up all the time that white spends talking about Molina's intentions is totally worthless to the debate. Um, again, the debate is, is Molina's biblical. Well, are you going to trust a Jesuit? Yes, right. I mean, yeah. This is this is just guilt by association, um, uh, and, and yeah, it's it, this is not good argumentation from White. Mm-hmm. He was a Jesuit that designed it specifically to battle the Reformation and the Reformed presentation of the gospel of grace. So you better believe it is a soteriological matter. He raised the issue of people's decisions. He raised the issue of the elect. And then he says it has nothing to do with soteriology. Well, then don't bring up soteriology. That's fair. Again, if Stratton does open the door to it in a debate, you're allowed, the other opponent's allowed to walk through that door. Mm-hmm. Because you're the one that brought it up. So he says, see if you can find a contradiction between what Molinism says. I presented a number of them. And I suppose I could say, see, he didn't touch what I said about Isaiah 10, and he didn't touch what I said about John 644. He didn't. See, I, that's easy to do, but it doesn't really accomplish much. But you want a contradiction? I gave a contradiction. No man is able to come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. It doesn't matter what context you put him in. There are no choice meets. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as Calvinists, we're going to... We're gonna agree. We're gonna agree with the interpretation, right? We're, we're gonna agree, but but debate strategy. I mean that that would have been a good jab in a debate with Leighton Flowers. Peace, yeah. peace be upon him. Yeah, you know, <laughs> peace be upon his name. Uh, we're gonna get like a seven-hour response video to this from that. Uh, this um, I won't watch but, it. But he's not. He's not debating. He's not debating. Strat- Stratton isn't a provisionist. Yeah. So. It, yeah this is this is where again like where for for stratton i think most of our criticism a lot of our criticisms are about content there are some about you know form most of my issues with white in the debate is just it's mostly form because he just he just dumped gasoline on the on the already lit dumpster fire um by by doing these type these types of things um that's yeah it again it probably it probably scored some points for his his side of the audience it heard some chuckles in some class but not not helpful. Then we were asked, okay, so, so here's, here's the question I would ask. Here's the contradiction. Who chooses the elect? Is it the free, sovereign choice of Yahweh to save whomever undeserving sinners he chooses to save in Molinism? The answer is no. In the Molinistic system, God can say, I will save whoever does this. I will save whoever fulfills these things. But God cannot save, say, I will save a specific elect. There are some he cannot save. So there's a contradiction. We're just we're just asking. Uh, is that? Do you think that's an accurate critique of of Stratton? I, honestly, I don't think so. Um, but yeah. again, it's self. The salvific issue is so like left field of the debate anyway. So I don't really. It's new. I'm neutral to it. Like it's like whatever. You know. I think Stratton probably brought up the salvation, the salvific matters, just kind of quickly. Not really. Uh, uh, thinking about it too much, like a slip. And so he's spending, White spending an obnoxious amount of time on it when he doesn't really need to. Yep. So because he, apparently he thinks the historical argument is uh, sound, uh, it just, it, to me, I don't really care too much about it. But I do think that how Stratton is using it and White's critique is 
decently sound. I, I'm just, I'm neutral about it. So I don't, I, I can't really say one way or another. I know it's not really a great answer, but that's, that's my answer. It, it probably could be used or utilized in, in some kind of way, but the way it's being formatted, it just seems like Theo babble, you know, just some Calvinist kind of ideas, you know, thrown out there. And, you know, Tim probably will give, Oh no, I completely, you know, cause Tim kind of, he, he talks out of both sides of his mouth, most of his conversation. So to what extent? Um, but I, I think you could probably argue some kind of soteriological argument that, that White's trying to do, you know, regarding election. But he hasn't made the significant case for it. It's just kind of like a... Yeah, I don't think it's ever brought up again either, so... Yeah. Well, and I, and I think that Stratton would just say, well, I mean, because this comes up later, I think Stratton would just say, well, yeah, God can force salvation upon anybody. There's... there there. If, if God if God wants to save, you know, someone, maybe it's not in a feasible world for God to, to save them by their by their libertarianly free choice. But if but if if election is God's God's forcing salvation upon them, then you know there's the, he can do that in any possible. He can do that in any world. So I'm I'm not sure that it accomplishes. Um, what well, why I, quite saying I'm proving a contradiction. I'm just I'm I'm not sure that it, that it proves a contradiction. So, anyways. Yeah. Contradiction? No, there it is. Who chooses the elect? Then amazingly, it was said, what were the Assyrians judged for? What they were determined to do? Read Isaiah 10. Will the axe exalt itself above the one who swings with it? They did what their hearts desired. Again, the Assyrians are not neutral people, and God's putting a big gun behind it. Go do bad things. I don't want to go do bad things. That's not what's going on here. And no one reading Isaiah 10 would ever come to that. Would ever understand that these are individuals under the wrath of God. They they make pagans look Christian, and God uses them and then judges them. It is not the idea. This seems to be the understanding that some people have that if you believe not in the philosophical concept of EDD, or you've never heard me even mention something along this line, the sovereign King has created all of time and everything in time will glorify Him. He has done so freely. If you want to call that determinism, fine. That's just simply what the Bible says. Whatever Yahweh pleases, He does in the heavens and on earth. That's how the psalmist put it. We can go through Isaiah 40 through 48. From the beginning of the end, he is the one working all of these things. That's God's determinism, but that's his determinism determining his own glory and his own freedom and the demonstration of who he is by the revelation of his attributes to his people. That's what we're talking about here. And so in that context then, what do we have in this situation tonight? Well, plainly, it is a soteriological issue. Plainly, we've already presented numerous biblical texts that cannot be made consistent with the system. And I should, I suppose, I will in the brief time I have what about 1 Corinthians 10, 13? It proves libertarian freedom. No, it doesn't. It proves creaturely freedom. It's not libertarian freedom. There's nothing there. You can overthrow the very plan and decree of God. No, it's simply a statement that speaks to our freedom to do as we desire, not as we decree, as if we somehow have that power and ability to do so. That's the difference. Dr. Stratton uses a very wide definition of libertarian freedom. Now, he has been criticized for this by leading scholars like Guillaume Pignol, and it has been explained over and over again the difference between categorical freedom and conditional freedom. And the fact that what we have in scripture is we do in accordance with our desires. We do not have access to the divine decree of God. We will not be judged on the basis of the divine decree of God. We have his prescriptive will that says you shall not do this, you shall not do that, and we will be judged on that. And when we act in accordance with our nature, either as regenerate or unregenerate individuals, we act in reality in a way that glorifies God. He has made time to be that way. That's what we have presented to us. In the pages of the New Testament and the Old Testament together in consistency with the biblical revelation. So what do we what do we have? 
The weight is upon Dr. Stratton to demonstrate the biblical nature of Molinism, not by attacking Calvinism, but by giving us direct biblical teaching. So far, we have not gotten that. Thank you for your attention. Also kind of a waste of a rebuttal, right? Because he didn't rebut any of Stratton's opening statement. Like this would have been the time to do it. And he didn't. Yeah, I think um, if he wanted to, I think he was probably just so flustered about the unpreparedness or the lack of proper debate tactic or form from Stratton that maybe he himself, White, was kind of thrown off by it and just so like upset about it that he kind of just jumped on that horse. I mean, I guess that's, he can use his rebuttal period to do whatever he wants. And if he wanted yeah. to spend it on that, and if he thought that was sufficient, then I guess. But at the end of the day, yeah, he didn't touch his arguments. He didn't touch his, and as a negative side, you ought to, I think. You ought to touch the positive side's arguments. But instead, he kind of just hopped on Stratton's failures uh, in the debates so far and not any of his uh, logical arguments. And I think he should have, even yeah. if he thought they were illogical. Even if he spent maybe two minutes on it, he should have said, okay, so what is one of the four contentions? Uh, here's at least one contention in which I disagree with, and here's why. That would have been perfect. That would have been way better than what he did right now. But instead, and he even had, I think, an extra minute or so, and he didn't even, in this rebuttal period, he didn't even use it. He yeah. just, he just, I concede the time. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yep, yep, he, he ended early. The, the, the There's also an issue I have with White, and this is just across the board with a lot of the things he does, is um, he uses theological terms, but it's hard to see what's the payoff. So like he spoke like he briefly addressed like uh, what First Corinthians ten, yep, and he just labeled it creaturely freedom, and you know of course like, like Stratton's gonna say yeah it's called libertarian freedom you probably haven't heard you know uh, so so I just think he needs to do actual work in some of these arguments because uh, labeling things isn't gonna get you through the end of the day. Yeah, the issue is. He wants to stick with the biblical, like the Molinism biblical part. And so I respect White for how he's trying as much as possible to stick with the exegesis and the biblical data. And Stratton's kind of trying to veer off course, trying to prove the biblical data by a philosophical lens. But at some point, even if you disagree with the positive side's um, steering, you, you still, yes, have to steer him back. But then you have to show why the steering is wrong in the yep. first place. So I think he's just trying to steer him back without showing Stratton why his presentation of the philosophical underpinnings is wrong. He kind of says it says it a little bit in the like kind of abruptly as a, as a almost like a quick retort in the cross examination, but he kind of just leaves it at that. He doesn't really he doesn't show why Stratton's positive case is wrong, and as a as a negative. Uh, side to this debate, he ought to. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think the rebuttals is where the whole, the whole, the whole debate just got off track. Got you know, just went off the rails, uh, and it stayed off the rails from here on out. Uh, you know, you have you have Stratton's rebuttal, which is not a rebuttal of White's opening statement. Um, it's just it, whatever that was. <clears throat> and then when White gets up, it almost seems like instead of doing, you know. He, I don't know if I don't know if he had notes originally from Stratton's opening statement, uh, and and he was and he was gonna do a rebuttal from that, but then he heard Stratton's rebuttal 
And then instead of doing like a rebutting the opening statement, it's like he he was like, all right, well, we're just gonna we're just gonna rebut the rebuttal and 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 go to but since since it never it since neither rebuttal ever kind of latched on to the content, mm -hmm. it was just they were just like shadow boxing each other from there on out. Um, and and it never really gets back to the content of either opening statement. Um, so yeah. All right. Uh, we are at one hour. There's no way we're going to make it through the cross-examination. Maybe we can get through. Let's let's try to get through Stratton's first because Stratton goes first uh, on the mm -hmm. cross-X. Let's get through his first. It like hurts me to call it a cross-X and we'll, and we'll, sh <laughs> we'll show why. Uh, but uh, let's get to that first one and that'll probably get us to like an hour and a half and then we can, uh, this is going to, this is going to be multi-episodes, but yeah. Uh, they like shift their seats around. The freaking Lutherans. Answer clear. Answer questions and do not answer with a question. And I just put this in here and moderate. Yeah, for no yelling and screaming. These rules will not matter. No, no, the rules not matter at all. Can you guys hear it? It gets really quiet during this. Yeah, it's just because Stratton doesn't really speak in the microphone that much. I can hear it a little bit, but it's kind of faint. I, I'm, if you can't I'm not, turn up your volume anymore, then I would just leave it because I mean, it's it just it was when I was watching the debate, it was still low too. I had to like put it on full blast. So. Sure and don't don't worry, guys, you're not missing much. <laughs> I'm not sure if there's like a yeah, there's not there's not an audio setting in captions. Could you do captions? I, I don't know. I don't know if it would matter. It's up to you. We'll but. try it. We'll see how it goes. Uh, for the exchange so far, I want to agree with you with what you've written in your book, The Forgotten Trinity. And by the way, I love that book. And I encourage people to get out of it for years now. Um, but one thing that you say in there is you, you talk about the need to clearly define our terms. This is really big that coming. Um, you talk about the need to really clearly define our terms or else little else will be accomplished. So I think it's important for you and I to come to an agreement on what we mean by these different kinds of freedom that you just raised. So um, I'd like to start with what you uh, describe as creaturely freedom, because I want to understand that. So I, I propose that we use uh, chapter 9 of your own confession of faith, uh, the London Baptist Confession. And for the sake of the audience, I know you know, but let me read the first two points of chapter 9. One, God hath endued the will of man with that natural liberty and power of acting upon choice that is neither forced nor by any necessity of nature determined to do good or evil. And they back that up with Matthew, James, and Deuteronomy. And then point two, man in a state of innocency had freedom and power to will and to do that which was good and well-pleasing to God, but yet was unstable so that you might fall from it, Ecclesiastes and Genesis. So before moving forward and discussing other kinds of freedom, can we at least agree right now, Dr. White, that this is a, a good working definition of what you refer to as creaturely freedom? Well, uh, unfortunately, the, the By the way, this will also plague these cross-examinations. In a debate, you want to ask clear, concise questions quickly uh, the the audience is not going that was a minute and a half the audience is not going to track a minute and a half of setup and compound questions where you're asking multi-part questions um, it's it's going to be nearly impossible for your debate opponent to follow the questions and give coherent answers maybe that's some of the tactic but you'll lose the audience 
Um, and this question was a short one compared to some of the ones Stratton is going to ask. So this this just plagues this cross-examination period. Referring to there is pre-fall, so you would have to bring in two other aspects of the confession. So the first would be the assertion of God's absolute sovereignty and free and determination of all things that take place in time, and then secondly, the material in regards to uh, Adam's tribal headship and the fall of man. So uh, yes, but that's not all it says. Right. Okay. But you do affirm uh, this confession, mm -hmm. right? Good. Okay. So that helps me as we move forward, um, because that's exactly what I mean by libertarian freedom. Exactly what I mean. There's no difference. We seem to both affirm the same thing, but call it something else. So it seems that. Do you um, want me to comment on that statement? Or well, just, you, you can maybe ask me questions here, but I've got some follow. So I'm happy to let you call it libertarian freedom, whatever you'd like. Um, but be that as it may, I'm, I'm glad that we affirm the same. So does the London Baptist Confession yeah. affirm libertarian freedom? No, absolutely does not. Uh, actually, Chris Date did a recent, like, I think a week after this debate, or maybe it was a week before, he had a whole hour and a half going through exegeting the London Baptist Confession from libertarian uh, definitions. So if let's just say we take sourcehood, ultimate sourcehood, and then the categorical ability to do otherwise, or in Stratton's case, the opportunity to do otherwise. He shows it's just not there. It does not say those two conditions at all. All it says, and I think Preciado does a good job because Preciado uses the Westminster Confession of Faith, but they're actually synonymous in chapter three. So Preciado says what they're talking about here uh, is not a metaphysical necessity, that they're free metaphysically from God's decree. What they're talking about is that they're free from moral necessity to do right or wrong. And so I don't want to get too much into the differences between moral and physical. It's a great book read it or watch the Chris Date video if those who are watching, but uh, no Calvinists, unless you're maybe like Richard Muller uh, or maybe like Colcold, some of the Calvinists Stratton gives out, which I wouldn't even call them reformed in the first place. Maybe Richard Muller, maybe. But um, uh, besides that, the reformed Orthodox will hardcore deny that the, the London Baptist Confession and the Westminster teach libertarian freedom so i'll leave it at that i don't know if you guys have anything else to say but i think that's the yeah, best summary I, I, I think this goes to what i just said about the vagary of uh, dr white's comments it'd be very nice and very short if he could just ex, you know give a little uh, you know explanation of the freedom he wants to say people have and that would have been nice and easy instead of going you know Oh well, yeah. you look. You affirm the confession. Your confession's libertarian. Dirty white betrays his confession. Can't trust the man. He's a liar and a thief. All right. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's just it's rough. Uh, but it, but then again, Stratton's behavior and response is 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 pretty cringeworthy. Uh, yeah. If, if you look at and I'll, I guess I'll say this one last thing because I think White does kind of allude to this. If you look at the confession as a whole, so from the first chapter all the way to the last, I mean, there's other, I'm not as familiar with the London Baptist because I'm not Baptist, so, but uh, if they're very similar to the, to the Westminster, chapter five, chapter nine, and then chapter three, if you look at all of them as a concise whole, you do not get libertarian freedom out of there. No. You, you just cannot. Uh, you, you would have to be submit, uh, you'd have to submit some sort of compatibilism what they're trying to teach is the compatibilist project again 
a live reformed Calvinist tried to teach this very clearly in their works, something of which obviously Stratton's not uh, familiar with, but they tried to teach this in their works. And so I, I uh, taking the, the confession as a whole, not just that little piece, what Stratton wants to do, you cannot get libertarian freedom out of there. The conditions just are not there. Again, I would encourage the, the audience to look at Chris Dates in 2022. It was posted somewhere around February, shortly after this debate, uh, where he actually goes through and shows line by line why the London Baptist Confession does not, or the Westminster, does not teach libertarian freedom. It's a, it's a great video. Yep. Yep. Uh, there's also G.I. Williamson's, his exegesis of the, the Westminster Confession. That's that's very helpful as well. Yes. Yeah. Right. And concept, because I do affirm that concept. That's what I describe as libertarian freedom. That's what everyone has These are questions. These are, sorry, sorry. sorry. These are statements three that I, I disagree with. All right. Well, okay. You got three. You We're not three saying the same thing. Exactly. So no matter how hard you want to push it, we're not saying the same thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's, that's way too far away. Give me a little bit more. Okay, so we both agree on the same concept. Number one, do you agree that God uh, was sovereign over the first sin? Yes. Good, I agree. I'm sorry, Number what, what, do you, what do you mean by sovereign over the first sin? We can talk about that later. We both agree that God was sovereign over the first sin. <laughs> Two, do you agree that God... Ooh, that's just like indicative of the some of the problems of the debate. Like, <laughs> the open theist agrees God's sovereign over the first sin, right? Like, yeah. you know, it's... If you can't define concepts, if it's just, no, we use the same term. Okay. I agree. Uh, decree and predestined the first sin. Yes. Amen to that, me too. Three, do you agree that God knew the first sin would occur before the foundation of the world and before he created the universe, or did he gain this knowledge at a later time? No, God decreed. Did he know it? Time. Did he know it or not before the foundation of the world? It's a nonsense question. No, it's not. It's, well, if, if you can define your terms and then force me to use them, I can do the same okay, thing. Well, that, all I, okay, I'm well, simply all I mean, saying, I'm simply, I'm, I'm going to answer the questions. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to be railroaded. Okay? I've been down this road before. And you've been debating for over 30 years. Doesn't, 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 doesn't matter. The, the point is this. The issues of everything to do with God's creation flow from his will. And the reason he knows these things is because he has decreed to act according to his nature. So did, what else? Did he, ever, did he ever not know this? Is there any That's like asking, did he ever not know he was going to create and everything was going to happen in time? So he knew it. From it's, it's, you're asking a time-based question. Right, you're looking, okay. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, you, you at least agree with two. White's being a little pedantic. Uh, I, even in, even in, even in re, the Reformed tradition, we talk about God's you know eternal decree prior to creation. Mm -hmm. And we, we, all, we all just know that we, we don't mean time-bound. Um, so he, he's, he's being pretty pedantic and, and, and I think he's trying to avoid, um, I mean, if I, if I was in white shoes, I wouldn't know where Stratton was taking this because this is all entirely cohesive within reform theology. So even if I, even if I admit all of those things, like nothing, nothing interesting comes from any of that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm not exactly sure why he's being evasive. I think he's, I think he's trying to avoid giving Stratton too much rope, but it's not something that he needs to avoid. There's, there's nothing that really comes from any of that. I think he's trying to avoid trying, uh, giving an account for the first sin. Cause that's been like a traditional objection by libertarians. That's my guess. But I, yeah, this is going to become pretty much like a game of theological chicken. So if someone <laughs> takes the position, they fall in the water. <laughs> All right, go ahead. That's a good way to put it. I think you're agreeing with the first. So, Dr. White, all I needed for you to is to agree with at least one of those. Um, 
And so I just like. Then why did you do all four? If you only need one, all, I, it's just weird debate strategy. I don't. I just don't get it. To be the first to welcome you to Molinism because you're a Molinist. Um, you are. You've affirmed the concepts. You have, Dr. White. You've affirmed the concepts that I've defined in my opening speech. Right? Using the definitions. Yes, that is a statement, and I'm going to respond well, okay, to it okay, as okay. if it was a question. Okay. Am I affirming the statements? No, <laughs> yeah. I am not. All right. You can. All right. Let me ask the questions. Let me ask the questions. Yeah. I've asked three very clear questions. Um, they weren't clear. Move to the. <laughs> no. It, it, it's not a good sign when the moderator isn't following your questions either. <laughs> now that we're both Molinists. Um, in, your, in your book, both molliness. I love the I love the transcription. Uh, <laughs> but th but this whole this whole this is the type of rhetoric that it's just going to tank your ethos with 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 the audience. Even people yeah, so you can't you, you can't know, say to the other person. Um, and I th I would agree with White here. I don't know what you guys think, but you can't say to the other person that they're a molliness, something that they have literally spent their open speech open uh, speech with. Well. By denying Molinism, and then the person in the almost with like virtually no setup, no arguments, no premises leading to that, without explanation at least, saying that you're a Molinist, and then I'm just going to move on uh, because it's my time to ask questions. It's just not charitable, well, right? And so Dr. White saying like, "Hey, I'm going to respond to that as if it's a question because I ought to." Like, no, I deny I'm a Molinist, and then Stratton would even let him talk. It's just silly. It's well, silly. That was the whole game of uh, give a okay. Here's so I have nothing planned. Do you agree to this confession? All right, just you know, just tell me. I'm just asking. You know, no reason, not leading. All right, so I have a libertarian interpretation of that confession, and it turns out that makes you completely a Molinist. You're a Molinist, and um, this debate's pointless then. And to me, you're absolutely right. Like clearly, everyone knows that White's not a Molinist. So it's as if someone had improperly defined all the terms in the beginning of the debate and now somehow we're here but i don't know how that would happen with you yeah yeah it's super frustrating uh the forgotten trinity again i love this book you write that most importantly we ought to be drawn heavenward by the very attributes of god that turn the worldly person cold and in fact are often the most offensive to the natural or unsaved man do we love God, all of God, including the tough parts of his nature, or do we refuse to bow before those elements that cause us problems? If we love God, we will not dare to edit him to fit our desires. But Dr. White, the, the irony here is that I, what'd you say? I'm pausing. That was a good clip. I said you just cease to be a homeless. <laughs> all right, pausing this, getting some more time back. Dr. White, the irony here is by, is that, I mean, you're now a homeless, so I'm a little uh, confused, but if you reject Molinism, you would be editing God, subtracting from his perfect power, or knowledge because it causes problems with your philosophy of ed, which is nowhere found in scripture, which is what you have to affirm to demonstrate the libertarian freedom is never possessed. It seems that you're okay. That was just a massive run-on sentence of non sequiturs. Right? There's 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 no there's no there's no question in that. Yeah. There's no it, he's it, just he's just trying to get one up. Like he that's and it just begs the question. It's just it's just well if my view is right and incompatibilism is true, then you're guilty of this thing any 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 mixes in a little bit of like subjective psychologizing about white psychology of what he's doing because he's afraid of you know violating his philosophy or like it's just it's 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 really 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 bad it's really bad debate strategy but it's just there's it's not a coherent argument to make i don't even say it's an argument but 
It'd yeah. be floaties a witch. <clears throat> Better. It's an assertion. Uh, I don't think he's argued for anything, but we should have in the last video. You can move on. Violating the question. That's the question. No, it's not. It seems that you are violating your own rules expressed in the Forgotten Trinity. So here's, here's my question. Do you affirm that prior to the foundation of the world, that God exists necessarily as the perfect standard of power and knowledge, yes or no? Here, here's this whole list of accusations that I'm just gonna I'm just gonna assert and assert and assert and assert. And so there's here's my question: Do you think that God is uh, you know the perfect standard of knowledge and power? Yes or no? <laughs> it's just it's so unrelated. <clears throat> even even if we were to grant everything that he just accused White of, which is just nonsense, the question itself is entirely unrelated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it shows that if he tried to claim, like, oh, the whole point was that was going to lead to a question. It never led to a question, just put yeah. the accusations to a random question after. So that's lovely. Right, and, and, and a vague one, right? So so you're you're asking any Orthodox Christian, do you think that God is the perfect standard of power and knowledge? Where everyone's going to say yes, right? We, we, he... There's no there's no conceptual analysis that that's drawn from that where he defines the terms he makes the conceptual analysis he makes the he makes the you know the 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 proper inferences to some type of meaningful conclusion mm -hmm. nothing comes from that okay I'm going to answer the question that was first asked you made an entire speech that was filled with false assertions I'm going to answer that I am not contradicting what I said in the forgotten trinity and in fact I would say it's Molinism that is fulfilling that because it is God's absolute sovereign freedom over all including the decisions of man that Molinism rejects that's the thing that you all don't like and that's why you come up with your system so I am not in any way shape or form a Molinist I am not in any way inconsistent with my statement so the actual question was uh do you affirm that prior to the foundation of the world God exists necessarily as the perfect standard of power and knowledge yes or no of course God is God is. then you affirm middle knowledge God no oh my gosh I'm going to throw up in my mouth just a little bit, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. How, no. how do you go from God is the God is the necessarily existing perfect standard of, of, of truth and power? Mm -hmm. I don't know what power is in there. Power, power, power and knowledge, whatever it is. To therefore, do you affirm middle knowledge? Yeah. Like, like the number, uh, e even if that's true, even if let's pretend that there is a world, there's a feasible world where there's some type of argument that gets there, right? That is so many enthymemes to get from what, from, from that question to that, to that outcome. Like there are so many multiple steps that he would have to put in there and demonstrate that. And, and, and he know where, like, and I'm, and I'm trying to remember back to his opening statement. His opening statement didn't say that God had to be, exist as the necessarily existing ground of all of all power and truth. No, I didn't. to have Molinism, right? So, so, so even if we were to grant everything in his opening statement, he still couldn't say, "Well, I've proven this previously, and I'm kind of helping myself to those conclusions," which still wouldn't be a good tactic. But he 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 didn't even do that in his opening statement. Like this is just. This is why I was saying, like, it went off the rails because it never gets back to the content of either opening statement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I'll tell you why. Because if God is a perfect standard of power, you're preaching again. Okay, mm -hmm. ask questions, please. Okay. He doesn't want to know why. He's a Molinist. All right, no, uh, next question. I'm to... So unnecessary. <laughs> Dude, this, this, see, this is why I can't do debates, or I would never be able to do this, because if I was white, you know, as soon as my questions come out, I'm like, do you only believe Molinism because you're a dirty Jesuit? To start asking <laughs> questions like that. You'd be kicked off the stage there, Bonson. <laughs> uh, 
That's not the worst that's happened to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like that. It's like that meme that, you know, you, you can't argue with people that say like two plus two is five. You just got to go along and be like, yeah, cause you got to carry the one. You just, uh, it's just, it's brutal to watch. Okay. All right. Based upon your book, the God who justifies, um, I've been reading your stuff for a while. I really I do look up to you. Um, Dr. White, uh, you write, you write this. I love you. Yeah, I love you too. Man. <laughs> I'm really, and I, man, you look like my older brother. I mean, so I, we even wore the same jacket tonight. I don't know right. how that was happening. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But my question is, can you? Let me get to this. Because now he's stealing all my time. I, he's a man. He's crafty. Okay. <clears throat> Let me get through this question. Let me get through this question, and I'll get him. You write, if God is the God of truth, then what He inspired will be consistent with itself. I agree with that. And you correctly imply that if God is the God of truth, then we can trust Scripture. Will you agree with that? Okay. But on the exhaustive divine deterministic view. Um, that you must affirm in order to say that we never have libertarian freedom, then it follows that God is the sufficient cause of people having, of Christians having false biblical interpretations of scripture. Yes or no? Uh, not the, not the Bible teaches, no. Pardon me? That's not what the Bible teaches. I know, I know. That's the, why Bible I teaches, the Bible teaches that Christians are to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that God likewise, in his judgment, has sent false prophets and caused people who refuse to love the Do you have perfect love, theology? Love, I'm sorry? Do you have perfect theology? Uh, no, I do not. Okay, so where you're wrong, if God causes and determines all things, that means that God... And there's there's the, the he, he goes from exhaustive divine, divine determinism to God causally determines all things. Yeah. Why should I mean, that? Uh, because I mean, Stratton doesn't have perfect theology either. So what? God actualizes a world in which Stratton doesn't have perfect theology. I mean, it's the, basically a parody of the bring about argument, but I think it still stands. Uh, it's that kind of rhetoric gets nowhere in these debates. So if you want to say, oh, God determines you to have false beliefs, sure. Yeah. yeah, and then he's like, "Well, you have no epistemic position to stand of which beliefs are true or false." You're right. I don't have any categorical access to affirm which beliefs are true or false. But guess what? Think our lucky stars. That's not necessary to be rationally responsible. That's right. <laughs> uh, and I can I can have epistemic access. Access. Nelkin, Periboom, Tartario, conditional access, Pignon. They all have these alternative possibilities, none of which Stratton has argued for, and all of which Stratton has said, oh, well, if Ed is Ed, then even that is determined. doesn't matter. If it's necessary for rational responsibility, then even if it's determined, it's compatible with determinism. You totally miss the point. So if I have epistemic access to these things, then it does not matter. I know I know Stratton's argument so well. Like he, I don't know if he brings it up in the debate, but that's where his mind is headed. And I'm going to answer for white that <laughs> none of that follows. Plus, I think it assumes internalism, which yep. most um, most Calvinists would deny in the first place. So, most yeah, I, positional Calvinists would deny in the first place. Yeah, and, and white can white can push back in a couple of different ways. I mean, he could push back in a cheeky way and say, "Well, well, don't you believe that God has predestined you to, to have all your false beliefs?" Mm -hmm. And and then you're right back on that. You know, to 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 our earlier point where. Then you can you can just push and say, okay, well, what's what's the what's you know now to argue by analogy, what's the relevant difference between God predetermining you having your false beliefs on our view and God predestining you to have false beliefs on your view? What what's what's the relevant distinction between those two things? Um, he he can he can push back uh, in, in in that regard. He can he can push back in a couple different ways. Um, uh, He's going to push back with the mechanism. But then the compatibilists will just push back again, be like, yeah, exactly. The mechanism yeah. matters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so that's the whole point of the free will debate and the providence debate is idea of mechanism. Like what 
overrides our freedom and what doesn't it? The compatibilists will say some things override our freedom, like manipulation and coercion and blah, blah, blah. And some things do not. Right. And just because we're determined doesn't mean that necessarily overrides our freedom, overrides right. or circumvents our agency. Well, he could. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if anyone does this. You know, I'm just kind of thinking off the cuff, too, because he he could. Maybe I, I don't know. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong. Since Stratton makes, you know, the 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 reasonableness argument from libertarian freedom, it seems that that would still be subject to the same type of luck or chancy objections that the that moral responsibility um, would incur from from libertarian freedom so i mean white could go back and say well i mean you you have no way to know which of your beliefs are rational and not rational because the only ones that you have that are rational are by pure luck um you know they're they're, they're it's it's chancy which ones which, which you know which beliefs of yours are rational or not um and so so you have no epistemic access to which ones are are your true ones because you know they, they're it's just lucky if you have these beliefs that that align with what's with what's rational, right? I mean, it's it seems like you can run the same type of luck objection against mm -hmm. the free thinking argument as you could to you know consequence arguments. Or, or I agree. I don't think Stratton has ever, to date, has ever tried to uh, interact or even acknowledge the luck objection. To, to be completely honest, I don't. I've never heard him acknowledge. Maybe I'm missing a podcast or some obscure article somewhere, but I've never heard him in the 10 years he's been active with Free Thinking Ministries. And recently, since he's been on YouTube and stuff, he's ever acknowledged the luck objection against libertarianism. Notoriously, the number one objection against libertarianism. Uh, and because he affirms determinism in some things, so some things are determined, some things are not, I want to classify him as closely related to event causal and since he affirms Franklin's minimal libertarianism and opportunities to do otherwise, Franklin classifies himself as a minimal event causal libertarian. So if we classify Stratton as an event causal libertarian, then yes, the luck objection is primarily against that type of libertarianism. Right. More so, I guess, non-causal, but it is against uh, event causal, event causal and yeah. non-causal than agent causal. So yes, Stratton is right in the crosshairs and he has not dealt with the luck objection to date. So yeah, I guess Strat, uh, White could respond to Stratton. But you, but you can only go back if he's written on it in the last two years. <laughs> that's right. Um, <laughs> uh, anything, anything out of that, uh, out of bounds. Uh, all right. God, constantly determined you to affirm false theological beliefs. And now you have a defeater against God being the God of truth. So how do you reconcile God causing you to affirm false theological beliefs and also calling him the God of truth? Your, your argument just said that God is not in charge of my state of sanctification. I am to grow. Are you your, argument, your argument, Tim, would require you to state that the moment you were converted, that the moment you were converted, that you had to be given perfect theology. No, that's not what I'm saying. That is no. not what the Bible okay. teaches. I'm telling you. God has, Tim, yeah, White's actually wrong on this. I don't think that's entailed by, by Stratton's argument. Either. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it just doesn't, because Stratton would be like, well, well, no, the reason why we don't have false theology is because we're 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 imperfect right yeah what's that i can choose false beliefs through my yeah. indeterminism over true beliefs but i can try to what what strand's implicit assumption is that indeterminism gives him more epistemic control to deliberate what is true and what's false so i can deliberate mm -hmm. over uh, false beliefs 
or I can deliberate true beliefs over false beliefs and choose them based on my indeterminate libertarian free will. So like I said, he's trying, he's assuming that indeterminism, libertarian freedom gives him more control. But I guess I, I like your objection, Tyler, so I'm, I'm just going to stick with it. Okay, so respond by the luck objection completely dismantles that. I don't even need to go too far in the luck objection or the rollback argument to basically say, yeah, because since Stratton has done nothing on the argument, I can just posit it and be like, okay, there you yeah. go. You don't have the control you think you have. What do you do now? Man, if Binyan or Minyata are watching this and they, they actually could do some work on that'd be a really interesting because you, 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 yeah, you could, you could run a rollback argument too. And you could say, well, you know, if you roll back and you come to the same beliefs every single time, then it just seems to stand that you, that, that your beliefs are actually determined, you know, they're, they're, they're reasons responsive. They're, they're going through all the, you know, all those, all, all those, all those features. We should, we should, we should, in our chat with Minato, we should tell him that, that he, sh he should, should talk and, to and it, the, get, get to work on that. <laughs> for the record, um, Franklin, Christopher Franklin does respond to in his book Minimal Libertarianism. He does respond to the rollback argument, and he just kind of bites the bolt and says, "Yeah, we we would expect it to be half. Uh, let's just say I'm choosing between a true belief over a false belief. It's halfway. If I roll back the clock, the law of large numbers say that probabilistically I will choose a half the time and b half the time. I will choose the false belief half the time and the true belief half the time." So he like straight up says, yeah, what's the problem? It's indeterminacy. And so he doesn't think that that uh, diminishes control. I guess right now it would just be based on intuitions. And to me, I think it does because if, if your evidence is solid every single time, then you're going to follow the evidence a good majority of the time. But if you're not following the evidence, then that doesn't seem like a rational thing. And if you're not following a rational, your rational processes, then are you really in control? Do you really yeah. have rational responsibility, Stratton? Yeah, That's yeah. I, I think, I think, I think the rationality actually is kind of a stronger guard. Is kind of a, a stronger, uh, yeah, guardrails uh, in 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 where the rollback argument would be more effective, actually, because it, it would show. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Anyways, uh, okay. Um, <clears throat> but but anyways, back to this. I, I think White is is is. Is misunder either misunderstanding Stratton's view, or what he's saying is that Stratton's. It's not that Stratton's view would hold that when you when you convert you would have perfect theology, but maybe maybe he means that Stratton's view of compatibilism would mean that if you're determined by a God of Truth, you would have perfect beliefs. Maybe that's the view that he means. Like Stratton, your view of compatibilism is not what our actual view is like that's the thing that's mm -hmm. wrong i don't know it's it's in it, 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 it this is just a weird way to respond to this objection do you want to answer because i've, I've answered you on this before and you know that but you can't do that in debate right both of them just didn't, but both of them just made a mistake. White can't appeal to facts, not in evidence, so to speak. Um, ba basically trying to to win, say, look, I, I've corrected you in the past on this, and you should know that you're wrong. And then Stratton goes, yeah, but they, it wasn't the right answer. Like you, you've just you've just entirely left the audience and the moderator and everyone outside of a private conversation that you had somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, it is just. This is not a good debate.
you know, even if it's true, it leaves me more pessimistic that this debate was ever going to be, you know, making any progress. Yeah. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, God's purpose is being fulfilled as he grows me in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it does not require that I have a perfect theology from the beginning. Right. But what follows is, if God causally determines everything, then he causes you to affirm false theological beliefs about him. Yes. So what? <laughs> Again, he equivocates with causal determinism. But yes, if if God determines you to have false beliefs, theological beliefs about him, then yes, you've been determined to have false theological beliefs about him. Determinism is determinism. I, like... Nothing interesting follows from that. All, all that you've said is, if determinism is true, then determinism is true. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't understand. So, all right. Uh, so we are we we hit an hour and a half. We made it through the two rebuttals and the first cross examination, uh, and we have you know this whole way to to, to go. Uh, so we will probably get uh, an, at least one more episode out of it. Uh, any any thoughts before we before we end this one? Life-changing, enlightening, life uh, change my whole perspective on life. Yeah, it's great. It's wonderful. Huge. No, um, I think we're solid. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you uh, again for, for joining. Uh, hopefully it won't take uh, us. I, I will take the brunt of the blame for having a hard time arranging my schedule with my uh, my life these days. I uh, you, there's, there's multiple projects that are on the that are on the back burner right now. Uh, but thank you for your patience. Uh, we will have another episode out uh, for this, hopefully not as long. Uh, so this debate hasn't faded too far into the recesses of people's minds, but uh, we'll get to it soon. Thank you very much. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed this uh, and have a wonderful evening. Uh, good night and God bless.